Would you turn in your Bible, please, to Joshua, the fourth chapter. Joshua chapter 4. Joshua, the fourth chapter. And we begin reading with verse 19. Joshua chapter 4, beginning reading with verse 19. The children of Israel were crossing over the Jordan River. And Joshua asked them to set up stones, a stone of remembrance. And the people came out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and encamped in Gilgal in the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan did Joshua set up in Gilgal. And he spoke unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan from before you until you were passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over. Then all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you might fear the Lord your God forever. The question, what mean these stones, is an appropriate question today. Tomorrow, many of you will go to the cemetery. You will take with you those of the newer generations. Maybe your little children. Maybe your grandchildren. Or maybe you will take with you your parents or grandparents. And you'll go out and look at the stones in the cemetery. And someone who is not knowledgeable of those ones in whose honor you meet will say, what means this stone? What is the stone for? And you'll have an opportunity once again to recite the precious truths about that loved one. And especially is this fitting when that loved one knew the Lord and we can brag on the faith he or she had in Jesus Christ. Now that's what Joshua was teaching the people of Israel to do. When they crossed over the Jordan River, they took 12 stones from the bottom of the riverbed. And then when they got over on the other side, they set these stones up like a memorial and Joshua said, in the years to come, when your children and your children's children and your next generations come along and they say, what mean these stones? What is this memorial for? You can tell them what great victory you had in Jesus. And so as we remember on this Memorial Day, we look back with gratitude to the things God has done. And for just a few moments, I would like to bring to our attention some things that we need to remember. Memorial Day is sometimes called Decoration Day. It is celebrated about May the 30th. Originally, it was a definite day, May the 30th. Now it is the fourth Monday in the month of May. It originated in the South shortly after the Civil War. The day is by custom a time for honoring those who have fallen in all of the wars from the Revolutionary War 
through Vietnam, and even until recently, our Marines who died in Lebanon, and others who have died in the seas and in the air. We also recognize with gratitude our loved ones who have been part of our spiritual panoply, mother, daddy, grandmother, grandfather, son or daughter, husband or wife, people who have been very, very close to us. And we pause to say thank you, Lord, for the dear memories of their lives. Alan Segar wrote this concerning the military men, that other generations might possess from shame and menace free in years to come a richer heritage of happiness, he marched to that heroic martyrdom. The scripture is full of memorial days. In Exodus 12, 14, this day shall be unto you for a memorial. In John 4, 38, other men labored and you have entered into their labors. 1 Samuel 7, 12, Samuel took a standard. He set it between Mizpah and Shem and called its name Ebenezer. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Proverbs 10, 7, the memory of the just is blessed. Malachi 3, 16, a book of remembrance was written for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. St. Basil said, memory is a cabinet of imagination, the treasury of the reason, the registry of the conscience, and the council chamber of thought. Kate Douglas Wiggins said, if you make children happy now, you will make them happier 20 years hence by the memory of that happy time. How many of us have looked back to childhood? We may remember some hard times, but we remember the happy times, the Christmas times, the fellowship times, the times we went out for a picnic, making happy memories. William Copper said it is an awesome thought that nothing is ever forgotten. Not an oath is ever uttered that does not continue to vibrate through all time in the widespreading current of sound. That not a prayer is lisped, that its recall is not to be found stamped on the bars of nature by the seal of the Almighty Will. J.B. Wright wrote a song that all of us love and sometimes we sing at funerals. Precious memories, unseen angels sent from somewhere to my soul. How they linger ever near me and the sacred past untold. As I travel on life's pathway, know not what the years may hold. As I ponder, hope grows fonder. Precious memories of the soul. So on this day, lest we forget, lest we forget, as Rudyard Kipling put it, God of our fathers known of old, Lord of our far-flung battles line, beneath whose awful hand we hold dominion over palm and pine, Lord God of hosts, be with us yet, lest we forget, lest we forget the tumult and the shouting dies, the captains and the kings depart, Still stands thine ancient sacrifice, and humble in a contrite heart. Lord God of hosts, be with us yet, 
lest we forget, lest we forget. And lest we forget, let us remember today, number one, our rich heritage. Other nations were founded by gold seekers. Our fathers left the soil of the old world, no longer able to tolerate the potentates and the dictates to the heart of the ancient kings. And they came to this world as God seekers, seeking a place to worship God according to the dictates of their hearts. Francis Scott Key caught this in 1779 and 18 to 1843 when he wrote that great, great hymn that we sing as our national anthem. And as we, the other night at the graduation, the entire congregation rose to sing, Oh say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last beaming. And that wonderful flag that has stood as an emblem of America these 200 years. Lest we forget, we pause to thank God today. We think of the soldiers at Bunker Hill, at Normandy, at Heartbreak Ridge, at Iwo Jima, in Korea, in Okinawa, and in Vietnam, and on and on we could go. And we think of the blights on our nation's history, the trail of tears when we forced the Indians away from their homeland in North Carolina and Tennessee and Kentucky and drove them out into Oklahoma and to reservations. And we say, Lord, forgive us as a nation for not thinking of the rights of others. We think of those 17,000 Cherokee Indians and their children who were displaced. And we say, Lord, forgive us. And we think of our loved ones who have been so precious and we've stood in their memory and honor today. And we say, thank you, Lord, for mother, daddy, grandfather, grandmother, son, daughter, husband, wife. We thank you. And so we pause to say thank you, Lord, for our rich heritage. Secondly, we would pause to say thank you, Lord, for our noble examples. Lives of great men all remind us, Longfellow said, we can make our lives sublime and departing, leave behind us footprints in the sands of time. I think of Abraham today, the man the Bible calls friend of God. He was the father of the faithful. I think of Joseph who dared to dream and to stand true to the Lord and who was raised to be the prime minister of the land in Egypt and who had a forgiving heart, forgiving his brothers who had sinned so against him. I think of Israel when they came to Kadesh Barnea. Joseph, uh, Jake, uh, Caleb and Joshua said, we're well able to go into the land and conquer it. But the ten other spies came back and said, we can't do it. There are giants in the land. We're like grasshoppers in their, in their presence. There's no way we can conquer the land. And they listened to the majority report. And the nation Israel, in a time of faith failure, had to wander around aimlessly for 40 years until all that generation died. But I thank God for the noble example of Caleb and Joshua, whom God allowed to live through those 40 years and on out into the sunrise beyond that. Joshua leading the people of God into Canaan, conquering the land, 
And Caleb, at 85 years of age, standing at Horeb, saying, I want that mountain. Lives like that can remind us we can make our lives important in the echelons of history. I think of Moses, who stood one day and he said, Who am I? God said, to make a difference who you are, look at who I am. And Moses said, Who are you? What is your name? And he said, I am what I am. I am that I am. And Moses went down to Egypt in the name of the Lord and said, Pharaoh, God said, let my people go. I think of Gideon. When the Lord's angel spoke to Gideon about service, Gideon said, I'm just a poor boy. I'm just a farmer. I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. And the Lord God said, I want to use you, Gideon. And Gideon went forth to conquer in the name of the, of the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. God used him. I think of that little maid in the land of Israel who was taken captive by the Syrians. She couldn't keep quiet about her Lord that she knew personally. And when Naaman, the captain of the hosts of Syria, became incurably ill with leprosy, the little maid who had been kidnapped from the ranks of Israel, who had had an experience with God, said to the mistress, I would that, you're, that the captain knew about the Lord in Israel. And she told him about the prophet of God who could tell him how to be healed. And Naaman, with all of his pomp and circumstance, the great captain like our General MacArthur or General Eisenhower, went down humbly to the prophet of God, and God told him to go take a bath in the muddy Jordan River seven times. And he was healed. All because a little maid honored the Lord. We thank God for the examples of others who have gone before us. And then I want us to think for a few moments about the great love of God that has been manifested at the cross in Calvary. Amen. Elizabeth Kemp played this morning, When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. On this Memorial Day weekend, poverty-stricken would we be had it not been for the love of God poured out at the cross. The Lord God looked down in love at wicked, sinful men, looking at all of us, not only in the generation in which Jesus himself lived, but all the generations that would come forever and forever. And God loved. And God said to his son, you go and pay the price for their sin. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Jesus would not perish but have everlasting life. And then the Lord of glory came, and he who knew no sin became sin for us. They nailed his hands to that cross. They put the crown of thorns on his brow. They pierced his side with that sword. And forthwith came out blood and water. He died of a broken heart. Died for the sins of the world. And while he was dying, he looked into the face of God the Father and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And in that moment, God the Father and God the Son made an eternal covenant 
that whosoever would believe in Jesus would not perish but have everlasting life. And I, for one, at this Memorial Day weekend, would like to say thank you, Lord, because I deserve to be crucified. I deserve the death instrument. It was my sins that put Christ on the cross. It was the sins of all of us here in this congregation and who listen by radio. It was our sins, not Christ's sins, but Christ died for us. And I say thank you, Lord, for that precious truth and that wonderful memory. But the memory became more than just a memory. For three days later, the Lord God raised Jesus from the dead, and the Lord Christ is alive forevermore, and he's alive right now, and he lives in your heart if you've received him. And he wants to live in your heart if you've never received him. And then I want us to thank God for a moment for the blessed hope. The night before Calvary, Jesus gathered his best friends together, and he began to talk to them about his decease on the cross. Their hearts were broken, just like ours have been broken when we've stood by open graves or caskets containing the dearest treasure of our lives. And there were tears, and there was hurt, and then Jesus began to say to them, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. The blessed hope in the heart of every believer is that one day Jesus is going to come. And folks, when Jesus comes, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, those that have been sown in weakness will be raised in power. Those that have been sown a mortal body will be raised an immortal body. Those who have been sown in corruption will be raised in incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. And that blessed hope is in the bosom and heart and soul of every man, woman, boy, or girl who believes. And so when we follow the trail of the pallbearers to the open grave, and we stand there to see our dear loved ones, Lord, for a little while. There's something inside that wells up to say, this is not the last chapter. This is not the end. There's something more to come. And we look up and say, even so, come, Lord Jesus. May we pray. Our Father, we thank Thee for the truth of the Word. And we pray that in the years ahead of us, when our children and children's children shall say, what mean these stones? What means this memorial day? What mean your tears? What mean the joy that you have? We'll be able to say, I thank God for our heritage. I thank God for noble lives who have gone before us. I thank God for Calvary. And I thank God for the blessed hope. May somebody who has never entered into that faith come to Jesus today. We pray in his name. Amen. May we stand, please. Number 252, Come every soul by sin oppressed, there's mercy with the Lord.
And he will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. This is God's invitation, 252. Now listen carefully to it. Are you willing today to come out from a past and step into a future with Christ? Some of you here are looking for a church home. You need a church fellowship. We encourage you today, don't put that off. Don't say, well, I'm going to wait and shop around and look here and there. Just quietly say, Lord, why did you lead me here today? What do you want me to do about my fellowship? And then when we begin to sing, walk down this aisle, coming to become part of this fellowship at Glendale Baptist Church. There are some of you here today who are lost. If you died, you would not go to heaven. You've never been saved. The Holy Spirit has spoken to you. I want to urge you to come to Christ just as you are. Just say, Lord, I want Jesus in my heart. I want to be saved today. Would you come while we wait? There may be somebody who says, well, I've felt God speak to me, and I'm not quite sure what he's saying. I know I need something I don't have. Would you come today and just say, I want to give my life to Jesus. We'd like to show you how to do that. Any way God has spoken to you while we sing, would you step out for the King? God help you to do it.